Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Atsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you, too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, I am Tracy Otsuka, and I wanted to welcome you to episode 83 of ADHD for Smartass Women. I am in the middle of working through my patented system, Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, with 105 of the most incredible women on the face of this earth, truly. This is the strength-focused, supportive, brilliant group of women that I've always dreamed of. And I think what I love the most is the sense of community and deep understanding that they have not only for each other, but honestly, I have for them. You know, they have confirmed for me everything that I have believed to be true about ADHD women. And the thing that's bowled me over the most is their need to live to their potential and to make a huge difference. You know, I've always questioned myself, like, why can't I be like my friend Susan or Stephanie or Ellery? And those aren't real names, by the way. And just be happy with a well-paying job and a nice house and a great husband and a good family and, I don't know, a great vacation at least once every year. You know, why did I constantly feel this push or why do I constantly feel this push to explore what living to my full potential means? And why did this desire in me get louder and louder the older that I got? You know, why can't I just ride off into the sunset and retire and kick back and relax? Now, don't get me wrong. I look at Susan and Stephanie and Ellery and I do ask why, but I just want to know why. I don't want to actually do that. <laughs> so AOK made me realize that no, I'm not a freak of nature. These women are my people. They feel the same way that I do. You know, they're asking why too. So on a lark yesterday, I decided to post a poll into our big group, ADHD for Smartass Women, because my gut told me that this desire to live to your full potential and to make a difference in the world, my gut told me that that's an ADHD trait. 
So this is the question that I posted. Do you feel as if you have a stronger desire to make a difference in the world and live to your potential than your non-ADHD peers? Now, I want you to keep in mind that there are 12,000 members in our ADHD for Smartass Women Facebook group. So this is a relatively small sampling, but the response was still so amazingly eye-opening to me. And this is the response that I got. 177 women said yes, 15 said no, 11 said yes, but then I forgot, (laughs) and four said yes, but they didn't have the tools or the energy to know how to do it. So in essence, 192 women said yes, they did feel as if they had a stronger desire to make a difference in the world and live to their potential than their non-ADHD peers. And 15 said no. I believe that the need to make a difference in the world and live to your full potential is an ADHD trait. So there are also a couple of questions that have come up in AOK and They're questions that I see a lot, even though I do have a few podcasts on the subject, but it's been a while since I've talked about them all together, and I've definitely become so much clearer on what works for me and what doesn't. So I just feel like I want to have another conversation today around productivity, procrastination, and this inability that we often have to just start something, right? To just get our things done. And the thing is that sometimes we struggle to start things that we don't want to do, but often we even struggle to start doing things that we really want to do and that we enjoy doing. I think you writers out there and probably you artists can relate to that comment. We can struggle to do hard things, but we can also struggle to do easy things that we have an interest in doing, that we enjoy doing. So I have a personal example. You know, I think the hardest thing that I've ever had to do was to create the AOK system. The AOK system, if you don't already know, was built from my patented cartography system. I created cartography, I don't know, five years ago, and I have been working with it ever since. It's my, you know, what do I do with my life program, basically. And it took me about four to five months to create my first pass of cartography. Since then, I've refined it into two or three updated versions over, you know, the last couple of years. Now, (laughs) believe it or not, it took me 14 months to create your ADHD brain is A-OK. Why in the world would it be that much harder for me to create A-OK than it would be for me to create cartography, which is what the AOK system was built off of. Because I was bored out of my gourd. The creativity that it took for me to create and build cartography, it wasn't really there anymore, right? All I did for AOK was to update cartography so that it took into account the ADHD brain. I mean, sure, there were some parts that did require creativity that were a lot of fun. I added an entire new section on strengths, and I got to create trainings on how the ADHD brain works, which I loved. But for the most part, it was a lot of painstaking administrative detail, something that I am so not good at, and I actually detest. You know, things like creating new slides, re-recording new, shorter videos, updating worksheets to make them simpler and cleaner. 
editing copy. Oh my God, I totally hate doing that. <laughs> I don't know what my problem is, but I can edit everybody else's copy, right? I see things all the time and I'm thinking, did you read this before you sent it out? But for me to sit down and to focus on each line, to use a well-worn cliche, it is like pulling teeth. I don't even know what that means. What does pulling teeth mean? And then what I had to do is put all this together into a new workbook. The whole experience was truly awful. And the only thing that kept me going was I knew how much this could help ADHD women. And I knew that there was nothing currently out there like it. I knew that I had created what I couldn't find and I knew you all needed it. So I would literally write on my to-do list, like how many videos am I going to record or how many chapters am I going to get through, you know, on the workbook? How many worksheets was I going to do like every day? And it just wouldn't happen. And finally, and this actually worked, I started to hire people that could do the little bits and pieces for me. So I hired a video editor and I hired someone to put the workbook together and I hired someone to put the new worksheets together and make them fillable. But oftentimes I'd hire the wrong people. And then it became just a bigger nightmare than had I done it myself. Even so over time, and it took me a long time, <laughs> I finally discovered that if I could hire the right people, if I could hire good people who would give me deadlines then it would work. You know, so the big joke is whenever I hire a VA, it's not really a joke. It's just how I now work. I always ask them, can you manage up? Meaning, can you manage me? Can you give me deadlines that I need to meet? Because what I'm basically doing is I'm setting myself up to be accountable to someone else. Because again, I may disappoint myself, but if I promise you something, I will move hell in high water to make it happen. And that will happen, especially if it's someone new that I'm working with that I completely respect. I digress anyway, but that was an example of something that really should have been relatively easy for me to get done, but it took me 14 months of my life. And there truly wasn't a day in those 14 months that I wasn't beating myself up or at least perpetually asking myself, why is this so damn hard for me to get through? What definitely helped and made me feel more in control and kind of, I don't know, righted the ship and made me move in the right direction was when I moved everything over from all these individual platforms that I was on to an application called Kajabi, which is the platform that now houses my website, my landing pages, my email list my cartography system, and of course, also my AOK system. And I think it was because I could actually use Kajabi myself. It was very intuitive to my linear brain. And that meant I didn't have to wait for a designer. I didn't have to wait for my assistant. I didn't have to wait for a programmer to fix something for me before I could do what I needed to do, you know? And so Kajabi was definitely a game changer for me. And I can't recommend it highly enough if you have any kind of online business. And I'll post the link to the show notes. I, <laughs> I literally rave about Kajabi to anyone who will listen. So, you know, you get it too. But again, I'm digressing. So this was just an example of something that I had an extreme interest in getting done, right? getting my AOK system completed. 
And any neurotypical brained human would think that, well, if it took four or five months for you to build cartography five years ago, you know, that was like the beginning part of it. And you've been working it every day since then. And you've rebuilt it two more times or three more times since then. And all you're going to do now is just take cartography and rebuild it for the ADHD brain and actually make it simpler, clearer. The videos are going to be shorter, right? It shouldn't take you more than a few months to build it, right? No. So this podcast on procrastination, productivity, and when we just can't start came about through this discussion between two of our AOKers, two of the women that I'm working with right now, who are trying to figure out the corresponding strength to procrastination. So I have this theory that for every single one of our weaknesses, we have a corresponding strength. And so Esther, one of our AOKers, a wonderful AOKer, said, what could possibly be the strength side of procrastination? What could possibly be good about it? And that led to a conversation about procrastination. What is it and why do we do it? And I will talk about the strength at the very end or the strength side of procrastination. So procrastination has nothing to do with time management. It has nothing to do with being lazy or being disorganized. It is all about emotional dysregulation. In short, we are talking about negative emotion here. We just feel things more and we have less of an ability to self-regulate. We can have the best intentions, but we can struggle to actually act. We know what we need to do, right? Often we just can't get ourselves to do it. It's not that we won't do it. It's that we literally cannot do it. We feel like we are moving a huge boulder up a mountain. Now, of course, everyone procrastinates, right? Everyone at one time or another struggles to get something done and they don't want to do it. But the difference between them and us is that they actually can do it. And I've seen studies that indicate that the ADHD brain can actually experience physical and mental pain around getting certain things done. So how in the world do we combat this? And I want to tell you that over time, I have learned what works for me and what doesn't. And there is definitely a way that I now can deal with all of this. And it is so much easier. So this is all learnable. But like everything ADHD, it's all about positive emotion. And like anything ADHD, it is also really about understanding who you are and how you best work, how your brain best works. So please know that just because these things work for me, that does not mean that they will all work for you. And I'll admit too, that some of these things work better for me than other things. Over time though, I have just learned what works best for me. So I want you to try some of these things out and I want you to see what works best for you. Okay. Number one, Start with little hits of dopamine to ramp up to the big stuff. Look, deadlines provide big hits of dopamine, right? You are so full of fear because what if you don't get it done and you're just, you know, flying in under the deadline? Adrenaline is going through the roof. But the thing about fear is it doesn't really feel good. And it certainly isn't a healthy way of dealing with procrastination on an ongoing basis. So, I start with small things first. You know, I've tried all the online planner to-do apps. They don't work for me. 
What I do now is I use a weekly planner that's one page and printed on cardstock. I got the one page weekly print on cardstock idea from Francesca Rizzo, and then I refined it to work for me. So on my to-do list, I have three medium-sized things that I need to get done each day, no more than that. And notice that there are no big things on my list. I break everything down into small chunks because guess what? I know the more things that I can check off my to-do list, the more positive emotion I create. And this is what motivates me to keep going. So when I wake up in the morning and I sit down at my desk, I start with little hits of dopamine. So how do I do that? So between 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. in the morning, I know that I am going to be crossing off these super simple, easy little things off my checklist first. Each one I check off, I get a hit of dopamine. So by the time 11 a.m. rolls around, I've had enough dopamine hits to get me to tackle that first medium thing. Because remember, I want a bunch of different things to check off. And so I break it all down. So instead of putting on my to-do list, create podcast number 83, I will break it down into researching podcast number 83, outlining podcast number 83, editing podcast number 83, recording podcast number 83, creating the show notes for podcast 83. So I will break it down into all those steps. And I never do all those steps in one day. I'll do a couple of the big things. Like the big thing for me is researching and also creating the outline of a podcast. And so I won't have more than that and maybe one other, you know, more medium sized activity on my to do list in one day. Now, if I'm lucky enough that I can blow through, because sometimes we have days like that, right? So if I'm lucky enough that I can blow through that and more on one day, great. But I'm not going to set myself up to fail. I'm going to set myself up to have little dopamine hits throughout my day. Okay. What else do I do? Whenever I can, I make things fun. Why? Because fun generates positive emotion for us. Positive emotion increases dopamine and thereby increases our motivation. Now, what is fun is different for all of us. So you need to ask yourself, what can you do to feel better about what needs to get done? For me, a change in scenery is huge. And I know with COVID, it's been a big struggle because there are no coffee shops that I can go work in, right? But what I will do is I will say, okay, you don't have to sit at your desk anymore. You can go sit out in the garden and you can do work. If I'm in a rut and I'm stuck, that will make a difference. You can work with a body double or a friend. Now, of course, we're not working with body doubles today, but my daughter is home studying for the LSAT. And so I will say to her, how about working in the garden with me? I'm stuck. And she'll come often and ask the same thing. Since we're in COVID and you can't really have a real live body double, try Focusmate. You can find out about it in our group. How else could you make things fun? Well, you could give yourself a challenge. If I get through item X within the next half an hour, I'm going to get to take a 10 minute break. I'm going to go make myself a cup of coffee and 
My thing again is always the garden. I will go outside and I will sit in the garden. What else can you do to increase your productivity? Well, take the thought out of it. Do whatever you can to get all the thoughts about what you need to do out of your head. Ask yourself, how can I make things more automatic? How can I take the emotion away and replace it with action so that you don't even get to sit there and think about all the stuff that you need to do? You just need to get in your chair and start acting. Couple things. I like to schedule meetings for 9 a.m. This gives me enough time to check one or more things off my easy list and make sure that I'm not dilly-dallying to get to my desk. If I have a meeting at 9 a.m., I need to get moving right away on my easy list, right? Now, you may not be a morning person, but of course, there are all different ways to build an accountability. Your scheduled meeting, it doesn't have to be at 9 a.m. in the morning if you tend to work late into the evening. But just getting that first meeting to make sure that I'm at my desk at a certain time because I don't like to go into a meeting without having looked at my to-do list and crossed, you know, one or two things off of it. So that really helps me to get started. One of my challenges when I'm in my head and I can't start is to just flip my 25-minute Datix cube on its head. And I'll have the link to the show notes. It's basically kind of like a Pomodoro, right? It's the Pomodoro method where you work for 25 minutes and then you stop for five. But once I start working for 25 minutes, I never stop. But I have a deal with myself. Okay, so I've got my Datix cube in my hand right now. I flip it on its end. It beeps. And then I don't know if you can hear it ticking. And then it ticks. And it goes down 2455, 2453, 2452, just like that. And so what I will do is I will have a deal with myself. Look, after that first 25 minutes, you can quit. I have never to this day quit. I just need the help getting started. And this gets me out of my head and it gets me into action. I can't think about it. I don't allow myself to think about it. I just have a deal. All you have to do, Tracy, is 25 minutes. That's all you have to do. And I just stop thinking, I act, I flip the cube on its end and I start. And I'm telling you, it never fails. Now, I also know that my brain is sharpest in the morning for podcasts. So I only book podcast guests in the morning and I let them book their own podcast appointments. Again, I am taking the thought out of it. I'm taking all those little details that I need to do that I struggle to do away from me. I have certain dates and times set up on my Calendly app, and then I just take myself out of the equation. All the back and forth is going to mean that if left to my own devices, it will never get done. It's hard enough for me to just respond to their emails, right? Which leads me to template things whenever you can. So that's number three. I have an email template that I use for podcast guests. Calendly then allows me to send all the information that the guests would need to know about how to prepare for the podcast, what equipment they need to make available, how if they're having problems with the sound that they can put a big old towel on the hard surfaces and it absorbs a lot of that echoey sound. Again, if I had to write a new email with all this information in it every single time I was trying to schedule a podcast guest, that email would never get sent out. I also, I get a lot of emails and direct messages and audio clips and messages from my website, and I love them all. But as much as I love them, if I didn't have templates for these messages, you guys would never get a response back, you know? 
There are things that I say over and over and over again in all emails, right? And so do you. So why not create a template so that all you have to think about are those special things that you want to say to that particular individual? That gives you even more time to make your message personal. Another way to take the thought out of getting the work done is to sign up for Focusmate sessions, and I just mentioned them, with our ADHD for Smartass Women group. You know, it's funny how you can intend to start working on a specific thing at 10 a.m. in the morning, and then 10 a.m. comes and goes, and the work gets pushed off to later in the day, or the next week, or the next month, or it never gets done at all. When you actually have a scheduled appointment, which is what you do on Focusmate, to meet with someone to do the work, you'll show up. Number four, figure out your own productivity schedule. I've said it before. I don't like to write. I hate long form writing. Just the whole idea of getting all my thoughts in order. It really is a struggle, but I do love to edit. And so I've stopped beating myself up about the fact that I cannot write in the morning, no matter how hard I try, no matter how early I get to my desk. And I used to force myself to start writing at 11 a.m. But what I discovered is that it took me 10 times as long and it was never as good. Besides, even if I cleared out my whole day and put writing at the very top of my list, more often than not, I found that I would find other things to do and procrastinate with until the end of the day. And when I say procrastinate, these were all things I needed to do, but what I really wanted to do was get the writing done, right? So I have this policy of getting through the things that I dislike by doing them first. I do them in the morning and it works for everything else, but it just doesn't work for me when it comes to writing. And so I have stopped fighting it. So here's another example of how I break things down into small pieces. So for example, if I'm writing an article for, I don't know, let's say Attitude Magazine, this is what I will do. I will have four separate writing days. Yes, four. I never leave it all to one day. And if you're a professional writer, and certainly if you're a neurotypical professional writer, this probably sounds so nuts to you. But keep in mind that I hate to write. It's really hard for me, right? And so I've got this real angst about it. And it's so crazy because as much as I hate to write, I want so much to be understood so I feel like I have to write. And once the writing is done, as horrific as the process feels while I'm forcing my way through it, I am always so happy that I wrote. And so while I'm writing, got all this angst about it, I constantly have to look forward and think of myself at the end, right? When it's all done and how I'm going to feel when I've completed it. So what I would do as I said, as I break my writing down into four days. Now, none of these days is especially long. I'm talking a couple of hours, you know, on each day. So ultimately, it probably ends up looking like a full day of work, eight hours of work for one article. So the first day I spend on research. And then the second day I outline what I'm going to be writing about. And I know I've mentioned my process before, but I will literally just vomit up all my thoughts, whether they make sense or not, in no order onto stickies, which is an application on my MacBook. It sits on your desktop. You open it up and it's literally like little post-it notes that you can move around on your desktop. You can also use MindNode. It is the only mind mapping program that is actually intuitive to my brain. So you may want to try it if you 
heard about mind mapping and you've never been able to use a program, try see if MindNode works for you and let me know. I also know that Stickies has a PC comparable application and I talked about it in one of my previous episodes. I think it was the one at the beginning of the year. We're in 2020 right now when I'm recording this. And I think it was the five things that I've done to completely reshape my business from, you know, an ADHD point of view. So the things that really helped me get more organized and be better at my business. Okay. So you can use good old fashioned post-it notes as well. Once I get all my thoughts on the stickies, you get one sticky per thought. I will then organize them on my desktop. Remember, you can move them around. And so I've got all these thoughts. They don't make sense. They're not really connected. So I'll just move them all around until they're in an order that makes sense from a storytelling point of view. And then once they're all on my desktop in the right position, then I will cut and paste each one of them individually into my Google Doc. Then on day three, I'm going to write out the article using the information that I pasted to the Google Doc. And then on day four, I will go back and I'll edit what I have written. Now, if I break it all down into these four different pieces, it really reduces my anxiety. And it also allows me to let my thoughts and ideas sit for a while and marinate, if you will. So I think my writing is much better than if I crammed it all into one day because You know, I wouldn't cram it into a day the week before the deadline, right? Nah, no. I'd end up doing it on the day of the deadline versus if I break it all into, you know, four different pieces, I normally will start it about a week before the deadline. So it's just a much less stressful way for me to write. I've also noticed that if I start in the afternoon on one writing project, I kind of get in the groove and then I can often do more than one writing project. For example, I outlined this podcast at 6 p.m. last night, which was right after I outlined step one of an article that's going to be due next week. So I have no idea why I'm more capable of writing at the end of the day. Sometimes I think it's because there's less distractions, like, you know, not as many people pinging me, DMing me, emailing me, calling. Although, who am I kidding? I don't pick up my phone. So yeah. Other times I think it's because I've run out of hours in the day, so I have no more excuses. So it's almost my way of procrastinating and just putting my back up against the wall and I've got to get it done. Bottom line, you have to learn when your productivity is best and it'll likely be different depending on what you're working on. Once you learn how you best work, then you're much less likely to set yourself up for failure because you know what to expect from yourself. Number five. Create your own accountability. I mentioned how I did this at the beginning. You know, I've learned to hire people for those parts of my business that I really hate to do. By doing this, I am now accountable to them. I know they can't do their work if I don't get them what they need to do their job and I'm paying for them, which makes me get it done. I don't want to hold them up and I certainly don't want to pay money for something that I'm not getting any value from. Another example that I was thinking about is if I were to publish a book, I know I could never self-publish. It just would not happen. Me giving myself deadlines that I'm actually going to follow? Uh, no. I need to work with people that I really respect. Obviously, I'm not enough. Who give me deadlines that I would never miss, not in a million years. And then I totally get my work done. In law school, I also remember creating study groups where everyone was responsible for reteaching specific material. Again, I might disappoint myself, but I would never disappoint them. So you know what happened when we all got together and studied and I had to prepare a certain section? 
I always got it done. Number six, give yourself rewards. So one of my clients and a very good friend now, Sandra, didn't like to exercise, but she wanted to start exercising when COVID started. She did start, and now she has a streak of 75 days. So how did she do it? She bought a bike. She loves social media. And so what she does is she starts out her day by not allowing herself to check out her social media accounts until she's actually on her bike. Social media was her reward for getting on the damn bike. She also loves streaks. So when she gets going, she doesn't want to break up her streak. And so she knew if I could just get enough days under my belt, come hell or high water, there is no way that I was going to break it. And you know what? This has worked out so well for her that she just bought a Peloton. And guess what she also did? She got off of her stimulant medication. I'm not telling you that that's what you should do, but what Sandra discovered is she no longer needed it. Exercising daily made a huge difference in her life. I also give myself rewards as well. So I love to learn. So when I'm washing dishes or I'm doing the laundry, you know, things that I don't really like to do. Gardening, I love to garden. But even when I'm, you know, gardening or I'm taking a long walk, what I tell myself is you get to listen to podcasts. And I love podcasts because, again, I'm always learning about something different. What are some other things that you can do as far as giving yourself rewards? Well, you can call a friend while you're doing housework. Sometimes I will do that too, because I feel like, you know, for me to just call a friend is wasteful. And I know this is a horrible way to be, but it's just how I am. I'm always thinking, okay, what more could I be doing? Am I doing enough? Now, of course, if a friend is sitting in front of me, I'm not going to be doing anything else. But if I can kill two birds with one stone, I will absolutely do that. So I'll call a friend while I'm doing housework. You can also reward yourself by going out to dinner with a friend. Let's say once you get through building that report or once you finish doing your taxes. So give yourself rewards. Number seven, do things once. Look, if you're going to read your emails, do it once and respond. There is no point in reading through all your emails, thinking about how you might respond, and then coming back later only to have to reread the email again to draft the response. You are wasting your time. And if you're anything like me, you're going to go through and read those emails and think you're going to respond. And then they're no longer going to be highlighted and in bold. And you're going to think you responded or you're not even going to see it and you're going to forget. I don't even open up my emails unless I have time to respond. If you're going to put the laundry away, do it once and do it right. There's no point throwing it on your closet floor, you know, thinking, okay, I'm going to put it away later or putting it on your bed. And ultimately what you end up doing is throwing dirty laundry on top of it. And then you have to rewash the whole thing again, right? There's also no point in reading through assigned work and then organizing yourself halfway and then having to come back and reread everything. You know, we have this habit of getting 90% of the way there and then not completing the last 5%. We need to finish and we need to really pay attention to how we feel when we go that extra mile and we really do finish. I'm not sure if I read this before, but it's from one of our Facebook members. Her name is Stein, and I just think it's brilliant. So if I read it before, I'm sorry. It's so good, even if I did read it before, that I think you need to hear it again. And she calls it the last 5%. She posted this in our group. I am a good initiator, innovator, and planner. I am less good at sticking with the monotonous getting the task or job done. 
And I'm an awful finisher. Those last 5% are forever left hanging. Until now, I recently became more conscious of the fact that I leave the last 5%. I try to catch myself doing it to notice when I think, I'm almost done. That's good enough. I can finish it later. The cleanup is so dreary. I will leave it for dot, dot, dot sometime. I don't want to deal with this now. I then tell myself, do the last 5%. Get it done. Get it over with. You will be pleased that you did. I hate doing the last dreary bits of something. It's so boring. My brain wants to just wither away, but I know that it is good to get it done because I won't have 95% tasks piling up everywhere. It is hard, but I am also happy that I'm doing it. I don't know if it will become second nature. I doubt it, but at least now I'm conscious about it and I act. I just think that is brilliant. So thank you again, Stein, for allowing me to share this. So before I leave you, as I mentioned, we started this podcast out talking about, you know, what are the opposing strengths of procrastination? What could they possibly be? Again, I'm constantly trying to get my students to understand their strengths, but also to understand that even in their weaknesses, their weaknesses have an opposing strength. So here I go. ADHD people, we are big picture people. We need to know why we have to do it, to do it. Neurotypicals, they don't ask why, they just do it. We need that big picture because we see the connections, because we are ideation machines, right? Because we are creatives. And that is why we often procrastinate. What else? We procrastinate because we have more emotion, right? We feel things more deeply. So an opposing strength of procrastination may be that we're more empathetic. We're more compassionate. Maybe we're kinder. We procrastinate because we're overwhelmed. We have too many choices. We can't decide where to start. Well, an opposing strength to procrastination then is ideation, right? We are idea machines. We are big picture people. We need to know why we have to do it in order to do it. A neurotypical doesn't ask why. They just do it. So we're into all the connections. We're into the creativity. We may procrastinate because we're time blind. We have no idea how long things take. And then we underestimate the amount of time things take that we don't want to do. Well, the opposite strength to that could be that we are eternal optimists. We always believe that we can get things done a lot quicker than they can actually get done. So that's what I have for you for today. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. If you like this podcast, please let us know by leaving a review. Our goal is to change the conversation around ADHD, helping as many women as we possibly can learn how their ADHD brains work so that they too can discover their amazing strengths. And your reviews, they really help in that regard. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you here next week. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. 
We're a totally smart-ass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.